Well, good morning. How about we turn around and shake somebody's hand? Go ahead and say hello to the folks around you. Welcome them. Real good for us to be together this morning, especially if you dashed through the raindrops to get here. I want to say welcome. If you're joining us today at Christ Redeemer for the first time, I want to say welcome to you. I, uh, I love, as I drive, to listen to preachers. I love to listen to different styles of preaching, different messengers, and I love to see how they craft a message and put together a message, and I uh, love to study the underneath the architecture of how it's all put together. There are three things that I feel are constitutive to any life-changing, forever memorable message. Three things that are apt to be a part of any life-changing, forever rememberable message. There has to be a connection between the, the messenger, the preacher, and the message. There's got to be a connection within the message. It's got to be connected. And there has to be a connection to our personal life. Three elements of a life-changing, forever rememberable message got to be connected to the heart, the passion of the preacher. It has to be connected inside the message. And it's got to be connected to our, our lives. This element of connection. Let me give you an example. 20 years ago, I was in the seminary. I remember hearing Father Hampton Davis preach on this gospel from the Gospel of Matthew. I remember it. I was sitting in the second pew of the seminary on the left side. Brother Hampton Davis, probably the most gifted public speaker I've ever heard in my life from any form of preaching or teaching. He talked about how when Jesus first saw Simon along the shore, he saw Peter inside of Simon, and it took three years for Jesus to pull Peter out of Simon. It took three years for Jesus to pull the Pope out to Frisman. He was connected to the message. It was connected beautifully all together. And it was very connected to where I was at that stage of my life. Connection. It's really, really important for a message. So I'd like to today, with your permission, to connect some dots, to make some connections that are going to help us appreciate the reading and then connect that to your life. So let's open up the bulletin together. I want us to actually see words that are going to go back and forth. So open up the bulletin to the readings and let's make some connections. So we're going to start with the gospel. You can see there in the red text, we're from the fourth chapter of the gospel of Matthew. Open up the bulletin. We're going to start with the gospel. Then we're going to go to the prophet Isaiah, the first reading. That's where we're going in the connection today. So Jesus, it says right off the beginning, it says that Jesus had heard that John had been arrested. So John the Baptist has been arrested. So Jesus is now leaving. Why? Because it's not safe for him in the area where he was at because of John's arrest. He's going to leave Galilee. Second line, it says he left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea. In these two very interesting names that a lot of us just kind of blew off, but there is massive significance with the names today. He left to go in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what had been said through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Stop there for a second. So Jesus is here. John gets arrested. He's leaving. And he's going to go to this area called Zebulun and Naphtali, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. 
and he's going to quote the prophet Isaiah. How do you know that? Every time in the bulletin, when you see italicized print, that means that the gospel is quoting from something from the Old Testament more than likely, right? So we're quoting something else. So Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah. He says that this is going to be to fulfill something. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee to the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light on those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. Stop right there for a second. So Jesus is saying, quoting Isaiah, that there are people who are sitting in darkness Look at the seventh line. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death. Huh. Well, let's go to the first reading now. Go to the prophet Isaiah. Right? It's just right there. The next page. The page before it, right? So Jesus is quoting Isaiah. First two lines from the prophet Isaiah. From Isaiah 8.23. First, the Lord degraded the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Let's stop there for a second. What's happening here? Well, uh, we're going to put our hats on again like we did last week. We're going to have a little history lesson, okay? Abraham has sons. They have sons. One of the grandsons of Abraham, his name is Jacob. Jacob wrestles with the angel. And God changes his name to Israel. The Hebrew translation of the word Israel means to wrestle with God. So Jacob, grandson of Abraham, has 12 sons. And these 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. And God makes a promise to Israel through King David who unites all 12 tribes under one nation. And he says, a thousand years before Jesus, he says to David, that that kingdom will stand forever. Now, a hundred years later, there's already division of the 12 tribes, 10 of them in the north divide from two tribes in the south. So 100 years later, there's already division. Ten in the north, two in the south. I can see the look on your face. You are on the edge of your seat. <laughs> Gets better. 200 years later, 700 years B.C., the Assyrians come in from the north, and they wipe out the ten tribes of the north. And they take them and they scatter them all over the Assyrian Empire. So the 10 tribes of the Northern Kingdom are now captured and dispersed. This whole promise of a kingdom lasting forever ain't looking good. That leaves the two in the South. 200 years later, 500 year BC, the Babylonians come and get the two tribes in the South and enslave them, take them off to Babylon. 500 years before Jesus, this promise about a kingdom lasting forever, they're all gone. Now, eventually, the two tribes who were in Babylon come back to Israel. They 
rebuild the wall, they rebuild the temple, and they're doing, the, they're doing fine. But there are these ten tribes from the north who never came back. They're scattered. There were ten sons of Jacob. I mean, twelve sons of Jacob, twelve tribes of Israel. Guess what the name of the first two tribes were? Zebulun and Naphtali. So when it says, land of Zebulun and Naphtali by way of the sea beyond the Jordan, those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, this is the land where these tribes were wiped out. And Jesus goes there. He, he retreats to Zebulun and Naphtali. Why? Go back to the first reading. It gets even better. Y'all are already there. Y'all are beating me to the punch. I can see it in your face. All right. First reading, fifth line. Isaiah is going to prophesy. He's saying, guess what's coming? It's coming. Take heart. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali. Anguish has taken wing, dispelling its darkness. There is no gloom where, but now there was distress. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Hey, we were just quoting that, right? Upon those who dwelt in a land of gloom, light has shone. Now, you can read the rest of that prophecy, right? But guess what? We cut off the reading. If we would keep reading in Isaiah, there is a little bit more. Guess what we would have read if we would have kept going after the word Midian? Isaiah says this. Tell me if you ever heard this. Ready? For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Upon his shoulder dominion rests. They name him. Wonder Counselor, God Hero, Father Forever, Prince of Peace, His dominion is vast and forever. We read that reading when we were at Christmas. Isaiah is saying, I know Zebulun and Naphtali, you've been eradicated, but take hope because one day there's going to be a promise, a light shining in that darkness. So Jesus in the Gospel today moves into Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said. Amen? Now, there were 12 tribes of Israel who were wiped out. And when Jesus goes into Zebulun and Naphtali, the, with a place where the first two tribes were conquered, Jesus begins to call how many apostles? Twelve apostles. Because the only way that we're ever going to get those scattered tribes back into a kingdom is if Jesus sends out people to proclaim the message of the kingdom. Look in the gospel today. What is the last words of the gospel today from the gospel of Matthew? Jesus said to them, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
He's not only not just restoring the kingdom, he's taking that kingdom to a whole new level, the kingdom of heaven, where all of these tribes are going to be gathered together again one day as we meet together in the kingdom of God. Let the church say amen. Amen. Now, when Jesus does that, he's calling people. When Jesus calls the apostles, he doesn't go after the smartest. He doesn't go after the the strongest. He goes after ordinary people. He went after some fishermen today. Ordinary people, just like me and you. And he looked at them, and he called them. He says, I am calling you. I need you. He says, I have a mission for you. And that mission is to assist me in the reestablishment and the building of the kingdom. And Jesus called, and Jesus is calling. And the question is, are you ready for the call? See, Jesus is calling every one of us to take one more step closer to him. And if we're going to take one step closer to him, it is imperative that we embrace a particular word today, and that word is need. I am convinced, after 19 years of priesthood, that the reason why many of us don't ever hear the call is because we aren't in touch with our needs. Your needs are critical in life. Three things that I want us to know about the word need today of why I'm going to put so much emphasis on it. Number one, your needs reveal where God is calling you. If we get in touch with what we need, we will find the voice of God saying, yes, that's what you need. Now let me help you with the need. I'm not talking about our wants. I'm talking about what we need. Likewise, number two, if you look at the shadow side of our need, not only will we find God, but you will find the place of your greatest temptation. In my conversation with exorcists over the years, I have heard from them that the enemy never tempts us with one thing. The enemy usually tempts us with two things. And this is the real thing. This is the real temptation. But he tempts you with two. And we get caught up over there with this one, which means we never find this one. The the enemy attacks our needs. So why is it imperative that we figure out what we need? Because we're going to find the voice of God and you will automatically find the voice of greatest temptation. And number three, needs require change, which is why most of us resist our needs and we go after our wants. The word need, it requires change. And most of us don't like change, right? So we resist change 
And we spend a lot of our time, even in our spiritual life, chasing the things we want. And I love you too much to today not take some time to unpack our needs. Every one of us is called to take a step closer to God. However, your step is different from the step of the person on the side of you. And if you want to get in touch with what's the step, we have to get in touch with what we need. Page five of the bulletin. Page five. Why do most of us not hear the call? Because either we don't know where we are in life or we don't know what we need based off of where we are. Let me say that again. A lot of us don't hear the call because we don't know where we are. And if we don't know where we are, we don't know what we need. Now, many of you are looking at this for the third week in a row. Praise God. If you're looking at this for the first time, I would encourage you to do two things because I love you. Take the bulletin home with you and look at it. But listen to last week's homily. Real quick, some of us are like the, the rich young man. You've been doing everything. You've done it right. You've been to confession. You go to mass all the time. You're a good person. You're like the rich young man who says to Jesus, I want to take a step. But Jesus, what must I do? That's where you are, praise God. We're going to talk about your needs in two seconds. Number two, some of us are like the man born blind, not in physical connection, but in the questions that are there. He asked Jesus, who, who is Jesus that I may believe in him? Some of us have questions. Some of us in church today, you've got questions about Jesus, about God. Here's a question. What's the difference between Christ's Redeemer, House of Prayer, Living Word, or First Methodist? That's a really good question. Some of you have questions like that. Awesome questions. You're kind of like that person. Third, some of us are like the woman at the well. You're kind of stuck in sin. Now, I want to drive something home for us real quick. Because some of us are listening, you're like, I'm not like the woman at the well. All my big sins are gone. Well, let me ask you this. If you go to confession and you confess the same thing over and over, like gossip or contraception or, you know, things like that, you are enslaved to sin because you can't stop it. So you may not be like the woman at the well with the big stuff. Maybe like the woman at the well at a more dangerous level, which is in the little stuff. Number four, you might be like the, the disciples in the storm where Jesus was sleeping and they looked at him and said, do you not care that we are perishing? All right, so based off of the, where you are, they all have different needs. Now look at those four people for a second. Look at the piece of paper. Who do you think is most vulnerable? The rich young man is most vulnerable. The rich young man, this is the person who goes to Mass every Sunday. This is the person who goes to confession a lot. This is a, you're a good person, and you're saying to yourself, Father Mark, I kind of identify with the rich young man. Why are you the most vulnerable? Because of this reason. There are only two directions in the spiritual life, not three. Let me say that again. There are only two directions, not three. We are either moving toward God or we are moving away from God there is no third option we're never staying stationary in our spiritual life 
So you say to yourself, well, I mean, I'm not growing, but I'm not in sin. Okay. If we're not moving toward God, we are in silent, hidden atrophy. This is what it sounds like. Rich young man, this is what your needs are. Father Mark, I'm a nice person. I mean, look, I come to Mass every Sunday. Hey, you say, I came to Mass when it was raining. Right? I went to confession for Advent. I bought your book. I bought the other book that we never really talked about. I mean, I listened to the podcast. I'm a nice person. Jesus Christ is not necessary to be a nice person. That's called not being narcissistic. Jesus Christ did not die so that we could be nice people. Amen? Jesus Christ did not call Peter to be crucified upside down so that he could ask people to be a nice person. The world is not moving in the direction it's moving because we lack nice people. I am begging you today on behalf of him. If you think the goal of Christianity is to be a nice person, I am begging you to admit that you are in atrophy because of what we have believed in the world. He didn't call people to do anything other than to give their life to him. The first need, if you're in the rich young man category, is the need to admit that if we're not moving toward him, we are moving away from him. What you need, if you're the rich young man, you need to take a move, to make a move, to take a step. Amen? Number two, if you are the man born blind, you've got good questions. Hey, praise God for that. I like people who've got good questions. However, if you have cancer, I pray to God you don't go to Google or Wikipedia for a diagnosis. If you have diabetes, I pray to God you don't go to the Discovery Channel and ask for healing of a medical disease based off of what cable can give you. If you have questions about God, my, my question for you is not what are the questions, but where are you going for the answers? The answers to your questions about Jesus, the church, the scandals in the Catholic church. What's the difference between Christ the Redeemer and House of Prayer? There are eternal consequences to the answer. I am begging you to know that you need not just answers, but good answers. Amen? Number three, if you are the woman at the well... You might be thinking to yourself, okay, I know what she needs. She needs to stop sinning. Yes, but you know what she really needs? She needs people around her. That's what the woman at the well needs. Remember this? Remember I said the enemy comes at us and he throws two things at you? What's the real thing he's tempting the woman at the well with? Isolation. See, once he's isolated the woman at the well, he can, tempt, he can say, oh, you, you don't need, look, you can do it by yourself. 
If you were the woman at the well, we need people in our life who can help us. Amen? Number four, if you are the man born blind, I mean, if you are the the, the disciple in a storm, you you need to find God with you, but you also need people that are going to be in the storm with you. Isolation is also a key part of the attack there. So here's the thing. Your needs show you where God is calling you. And he's calling every one of us. And please, God, I hope you don't walk out of church today thinking that he's not calling you. He is calling every one of us to take a step. Now, here's the thing. I can show you the steps. I can can put them in order for you. I, I can even say, hey, this one's for you and this one's for you. We can lay out the steps. The question for you is would you take a step? Next Sunday, we're going to lay it all out. All the steps for all four people based off of what their needs are. So I want to invite you to come back and maybe even bring somebody with you. But here's your homework. Just for the rest of Mass, if I could just ask you to do one thing. In fact, for the rest of this week, just do one thing. Take the bulletin home. Look at those people. And ask yourself, what do you need from God so he can reveal what your next step closer to him is? Amen?